We got to show the Who's writing me? Oh, man. That's my favorite line of yours. Who's writing me? We're just sitting there, and I'm like, what do you mean? I must have said that five, six times before I even got to work today. It was like the most incredible weekend, and then immediately it's just, here comes the bullshit, you know? But how quickly did your weekend bliss go from that to reality check? You were like, Dude, all right, I'm going to ride it for a little while yeah. into the day, and then what happened? Well, the Sunday scaries are a real thing, and it hit me probably like mid-show. I was at WWE at Ball Arena last night, having the time of my life. Balling! I think, right, like the second to last match, you know, they do like the, we're going to take a brief intermission, and then it hit me, and I was like, ah, oh, tomorrow's Monday, that's right, like it's back to work, back to life, back to reality, it's back immediately, so... I was like, yeah, but you know, I get to be on the like. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great, and I love it. But it's just no matter what you do, going back to work is going back to work. You know, I I know what you mean. It took me six different renders. So everybody, I finally finished the documentary. It's over. Can we just real quick, one time, just a round, a whole round of applause, please, please, because that's that's no easy feat, dude. That's a giant, giant project. Dude, I'm I'm still hot. I'm still cooling down from finishing the documentary <laughs> over here. One of my tricks is I turn off the the air when we record because I'm like, you know, I do like staying cool, but I like the sound better than staying cool. Absolutely. And yeah, so you know, I finished the doc and then I'm sitting there like, well, what do I do now? What do I do with myself? My last 3 months was Oh, most of my work time was dedicated to that, like six, eight hours a day. And I sat on the porch for like three hours and just pondering life. <laughs> I'm like, what do I even do now? Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you've trained yourself so like so well. And you're very, very disciplined, probably the most disciplined person that I know. And for you to spend that amount of time, work, not only working on that, that you know, this, this Ghana documentary obviously being the big piece that you're doing, but on top of that, you're doing this. You're consulting for other people. You're, you know, working on social media. But it's like, man, to spend three months, you know, every day just working on this thing, you're, gosh, what, what do they call it when, it, where, when it's like your, your biggest piece that, that you can offer? Magna something? Magna Carta? Yes, Magna Carta. Is it? This I is like that's it. No, <laughs> no. I just Something's... said it. I just said it because Magna Magna Cum Laude. Something, something. Jay Z said back in the day. It's The Rock. Oh, but yeah. anyway, he might have said your... Magna Carter, folks. Probably. God. God forbid. <laughs> but it, this is your like. This Magnus is a huge accomplishment. Opus. Yes, Magnus Opus. Yes, I think that's it. Yeah. Right. It, it and is. It's. it's it's a huge deal. You've been working on this for such a long time. You've been talking to me about it even longer. And uh, it's finally up. And now you're kind of like, well, what am I supposed to do with my life? Because I don't know any different now. It, it's like you get that habit of you, do, you wake up early, you do the same thing, and you start to enjoy it. And you just get used to the, the routine. And now I'm like having to do a new routine Getting up, going to the office is the same, but when I sit down today, I was like, okay, I gotta like, I have to shift everything. I have to, starting new routines is not fun. 
It's like a workout routine. Day one, you're like pumped up when you get it done. But day two, you're trying to remember what to do. It's not just yeah. muscle memory. Like I'm sure for you now, a lot of your job is different from when you first started and you said, okay, I don't even know where everything is. I don't know where I like to sit, where I like to stand, when I want to take a break. Like none of those things. Now your body's just like time to do this, time to do this, time to do this. And that's yeah. kind of what happened with, with this documentary. Is, and then um, the moment your like regular routine gets kind of thrown off, you're like, what, what, what is this? What is going on? Wait, this isn't how it's supposed to be. It, and even if it's not an inconvenience, it kind of feels like an inconvenience. And you brought up the word routine, and it reminded yeah. me of a story. Of uh, and that's what we like to do here. We like to tell you some good it's some story stories. That's what I look forward yeah. to every week. I'm like story time. Nice. So grab a cup of tea and put on your coziest socks and listen up. I remember graduating high school, and you got to think from you know pre K all all the way through. This is like 12 years of structure, 12 years of like routine, right? Right. So I graduate and I walk and. You know, I go to Project Grad. I do all that. The following Monday, I wake up like I normally would for school. And I get ready like I normally would for school. And I walk out to the car with my sister for mom to bring us to school like I normally would. And my mom says, Jeffrey, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what it was, dude. But I immediately started just bawling my eyes out crying because I'm like an overly emotional dude sometimes, most times to be fair. And it was just such a shock. It was such a change because this is all I had known for over, you know what I mean? For like the majority of my life up to that point was wake up, go to school, do your homework. Sometimes wake up, <laughs> go to school, do your homework, wrestling practice, you know? So it's just... It was so weird, and it was like all of a sudden, oh, my God, I got to live in the real world. What am I going to do? <laughs> I hear you, bro. That's amazing that your body and mind just were in lockstep. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's early. All right. Just you get going. You're not – your subconscious is just taking over. At high school for me, um, we did Project Grad, and we went to the YMCA – but it was like the new one they had just built up in Brunswick, I think. It's a nice one. It was really nice. Huge pool, rock wall, all this stuff. But we stayed up all night, right? That's what you guys did, right? Like you do something, you stay up all night. Yeah, you stay up as long as you can. You got the hypnotist. You got the, the pools. The you got unlimited yep. food and soda. and Yeah, man. So we did that. And I think I stayed up too long because I ended up staying up for two days. And so when Monday came around, <laughs> potty two days straight. Yeah. Uh, uh, and when Monday came around, I um, I would just slept. I had I definitely was not in the go to school routine. But here's the other thing that I think was only different maybe at Chevrolet than all the other schools. Our last month of classes as seniors, we didn't go to class. We just went, if we had a sport, we kept playing sports, but we would go to another school or another project. It was called like our, I don't remember what it was called, but like mine was at Portland High and I was helping out with the ESL classes and I would just go to Portland. It was so weird. I go to Portland High School 
and drive, have to like find a place to park and eat lunch with all my friends from Portland. They're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just here to help. Like, don't you have class? Well, this kind of is my class. And it was, you know, you had to like help out in the classroom. I don't know. It was just some, something different. So I did that for a month. And by the time graduation came around, I was way out of whack with it. I had no routine anymore. That's so weird, man. You're going to a different school. You're not sure rival where to school. park. <laughs> yeah, rival. Not sure where to park. Not sure where the cafeteria is. Like, I couldn't help it. The whole time in my mind, when you're telling me, yeah, like, you know, our last month, we didn't even go to class. I was just, like, in my mind thinking that every day for you was like that senior skip day in that Nick Cannon movie, Love Don't Cost a Thing. Yes. <laughs> where everybody's <laughs> hanging out at the beach yeah. doing that. Doing we we bro, besides the dancing, there was like two, two or three days in a row when we were just like, go to the beach again? Yep. And everybody from my class, we had a small class. And Chevron's yeah. was 425 kids total. So my senior okay. class was 125. Wow. So probably like 20 of us would just go to the beach and just, I'm, dude, those were the best times. And then I had to get back into a routine. That was the tough part. It's just like with documentary now into editing regular projects, then I still had basketball at six in the morning. I was still working out with the team and I was still in the summertime, already graduated. And then I was coaching at the camp. So I still had to be there early. And so if I wanted to party or whatever, I had to get up early, man. So it's like, you want to man. punish yourself the night before, you go for it. Because <laughs> you still got to be up and it's, you know, middle of summer, sweating, you're dying. Yeah. And the only thing they're serving at lunch is Otis Spunkmeyer cookies, like like gooey chocolate chip cookies and pizza mm. at a basketball camp. Tell, make it make oh. sense. Sounds sounds delicious, but like counterproductive. <laughs> all the kids, dude, yeah. The nine if you get a belly full of that, yeah, you you cannot run. I was like, all right, guys, do sprints. And they're like, coach, I don't feel so good. <laughs> but coach they would still do it. They thought it was funny. I'm like, you guys are throwing up everywhere. This is gross. <laughs> That's so weird, man. I didn't expect for us to talk about routines today, but it's so important, man. You know what they say is like, if you want to change the way you think, if if you want to change something in your life, then change your routine, you know? And I can kind of get myself into these, like, I can let small inconveniences kind of just pile up. And in my mind, I make them bigger than they are. And then that starts bringing back just all kinds of just old stuff that nobody, you know, is, is even thinking about. But I am for some reason. The one time so. you, like, said something weird to somebody and you think wow they must think i'm total weirdo every time you see him now why yeah. why am i even thinking about that yeah i you know what i wonder if they told any of their friends about that they they had to have but i wonder which ones did they go to, was it people from other schools could it have been like somebody from a different in, in it's just it's stupid stuff man but and no one knows yeah and even our routine for recording this show got thrown off by 24 hours because I'm leaving Ball Arena for WWE and we'll get into that a little bit later but I want to talk more about your dog and I'm sending you a voice message and I'm like Dave I had the best time this was so much fun I got to see Cody Rhodes I got to see Bailey oh my god my voice and you're like, holy smokes, dude. There's no way you're going to record. I'm tired anyway. Let's do it tomorrow after your air shift. Well, the moment I you sent that, I was like, 
oh, right, what do you do at a wrestling show? You cheer, of course. We should have done this earlier. Um, <laughs> why would I think that would work at all? But it's, right. yeah, those things, it's some things you just don't realize until you're in the moment and you're wondering why that was an okay idea. But I was just thinking, oh, time management. There was a truck show here. Not only was it a truck, like a raised <laughs> truck show. Every weekend, it's like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Like something's coming to town around here. It was yeah. those guys. It was the lowriders, which I like <laughs> lowriders. Those are cool. Hot yeah. rods and uh, motorcycles. So like every conceivable noise problem you think you could have, I had all of them on Sunday, on yesterday. And so I just said, I'm going to, I actually work from home all weekend because I didn't even want to yeah. deal with it. No, it's just so loud. So yeah, routine got thrown out of whack there. Obviously the listeners of the show are still going to get it on time because, I mean, you're so efficient Unaffected. with your stuff. They're just like, right. oh yeah, whatever guys. I missed that part. Yeah. But you know, we can't record during the day because the week before there's a boat show. This week there's a truck show. What's, what's next week? They're going to be laying some train tracks down tomorrow. <laughs> or like a motorcycle show, you Dude. know? It's going to be Sturgis up there, bro. Oh, my gosh. I can't get away. I can't yeah. get away from it. So, But that's what's so important with, with uh, routines, you know, because it kind of tosses everything else out of whack. It's like I just wrapped up my air shift, and it wasn't a typical air shift because we're, you know, tonight as of this recording is the iHeartRadio Music Awards. So okay. a lot of the content today was driven towards that. Obviously, it's a huge show for the company. So it was like, well, this isn't what I'm, this isn't, you know, my, sh like, this is what I'm used to. This is, and so you're just like, you know, this is part of the gig. But yeah, that routine got tossed out of whack. And, and now here we are rocking it Monday night, man. Monday night football? I mean, the XFL was on early, earlier. I'm in. Yeah, I'm always in. Yeah. So the, uh, the other tough part about having, okay, so I'm having to finish this documentary at home. So Friday, I finished it, and I premiered it for my housemates. Okay. Who I live with down here, and they all gave me good feedback. And I, had to, I was like, okay, clearly I got to redo a sound mix. I wanted to put it up Friday, but I said, I came, I came, this, I came this far, so... What I've got to do now is I have to get it right. I can't just rush it out because it's the day I said. So I was like, all right, well, I'll do one more render. And that turned into two, three, four, five, six renders. Because I kept catching stuff. I was like, well, if I'm making these changes, got to make that change too. And I did a whole day, six hours probably of narration where I like recorded, edited, recorded, edited. And I listened to it and I watched it just didn't feel right. And we talked about this a little bit before. So anybody who's done narration, anybody who's edited, or if you haven't, I'm going to do just like a crash course and kind of how that goes for a film. And so, you know, you had asked me, well, do you think it was because you were up against the, up against it? You had a deadline. Did you just want to get it done and decide, well, you know, maybe you couldn't spend as much time as you wanted to at this point, which that was partially true. Yes. But the bigger issue was I didn't start with narration in mind. So I, in January, when I started this edit, I should have said, okay, I need to figure out the story and then I need to kind of tell it and decide on my music, my narration, and how much 
wild sounds, which is natural environment sound you see is going to be in this. This is what Ken Burns does. He'll build his whole audio track first, put it in time, and then he'll decide to say, okay, I got interviews here. I got music here. This scene's going to last this long. So it's like he's doing the puzzle upside down. You can't see what it looks like, but in his mind, he can see it. He's like, well, I just need a great drone shot here. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's got to be right here. And so I did it the opposite, where I put all the visuals first because mm -hmm. I was using basically found footage. I happened to film it, but it's found footage. Because I was, I, I pulled a documentary out of a work trip, two work yeah. trips. The intention of the trip was not to shoot a doc, but I said, well, if in between I shoot enough stuff, I can probably tell a cool story that was like, not exactly why we went, but it's kind of like all the BTS. So that's what I did. Cut down 20 hours to one hour, 23 minutes. And that's what I have now. So it was really hard at the end to put in any kind of narration um, that sounded like there was a thoughtful story there. It was really just like observation. And there were some key observations. And what I put out now is I felt like me, Max, Nas, a couple other people in there, they give enough tidbits and information and color to kind of paint the picture and tell you what's happening. Plus I added some titles to so like, you know what year it is, you know where you are. Um, so I was happy that once again, I feel like I'm always doing this Frankensteining together with the pieces <laughs> that I have to make a whole thing. And you know, this is true of music and this is true of radio. The behind the scenes of the final product looks nothing like the final product. You're like, this thing's held together with duct tape. And there's yeah. WD-40, and there's, there's wood paneling, and everybody's seeing a shiny-looking <laughs> iPhone. I don't know why that works, but it, it works. So it's just I'm happy that it's complete. It's so cool, man, and what, a, what an accomplishment. And I don't want to sound like a dummy here, but I can't be the only one listening to you tell the story right now that's wondering, who is Ken Burns, and why is he important? Okay, well, this is good because I feel like – I feel like Educate this, is, me, dog. this is a good thing too about how we always are like ranting about Gen Z. Well, <laughs> and this, this is going to make sense here. Everything is cyclical. Fashion is cyclical. Music. These things come back around. So what's coming back around now is I saw a TikTok where now that Gen, Gen Z is rediscovering our tech from the 90s. They're surprised by... There's a little SD card you can put in your phone. Like, what? Yeah, that's what held the data. Yeah. And yeah, technically, that's still kind of how it's held. It's held on something, but it's just part of the phone. You can't access it. So to that point, Ken Burns, right? I, you know, the pan and zoom you've seen when people are always like, yeah, just, you know, zoom it. People call everything a zoom or a pan. Yeah, just pans <laughs> up and down. No, that's a tilt. Pan in and out. No, that's Zoom. You can pan yeah. left and right. So inevitably, people... You know, just pan in, Dave. Just pan. I tell, dude, just working corporate I, with... was one more tangent, and I'll get to the real story. Working in corporate, people would just call everything a pan. You'd, they'd give me a script, and I'm like, wow, Peter Pan is all over this thing. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean? No, he's not. This is about... I'm like... 
uh, you just uh. you just kind of missed that one. Every camera direction was a pan. And I'm like, are we just going to do this the whole time? Yeah. That's that's wild. But okay, let's yeah. try it. Let's try it your way and see what happens. <laughs> so, um back to back to the Ken Burns. This guy's made a ton of documentaries. He's actually from New Hampshire. Um so he's a New Englander like us. The Granite State. Yeah. Dude, the Granite State. I bet a lot of people didn't know that. I only know that because of Rob Steele, my <laughs> radio mentor. Anytime because you could you could hear the cue, my hometown station in New Hampshire. And we would get calls from there. Like, oh, this is Kelly. You know, I'm over in whatever town, New Hampshire. And Rob Rob would all every single time. Shout out to the Granite State. That's the only reason <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Without fail. So yep. Ken Burns. Um, documentary filmmaker. He's made a bunch of great ones. His are really, really long documentaries. He did one on the Civil War. It's 10 parts. It's like 11 hours wow. long. He did one on jazz. He did one on baseball. Baseball's 10 parts. He did one, I think, on the Vietnam War. He, he's just done a ton. So the issue with doing uh, what, what they would call like a period piece or something that happened a long time ago you don't always have the footage, or it happened so long ago that there were no video cameras. Yeah. So you have to use photos. Man. So the, the Ken Burns effect is pan and zoom across an image. Like, you would pan left and right, and at the same time, you'd zoom in. So It's kind of like modern-day YouTube stuff. Like, we see a lot of that, right? Everything you see on YouTube, that's what they're doing. They're taking from, they probably honestly saw it in one of his documentaries and was like, great. And that's what I do with a lot of our stuff. I'm like, cool, if we can only use photos, that's fine. We can still make a move. So when I say the Ken Burns effect, what I mean is there's an image and it's moving slowly and you hear the voiceover and the music and you, you're like, well, I guess this is technically a moving image, even though it's not a, a movie. And so Ken Burns, but his style is audio first visual second and I watched his master class and I was thinking that's brilliant I've never seen that before but it forces you to lock your picture and you have to he, wow. and he did that because let's say there's a great piece of music and it's like five minutes 15 seconds and it just it has to end you can't just cut it off like the, the crescendo is the point of the music piece otherwise it's ruined yeah. it's like leaving the best part out so he would say all right I got to use all this so I have to find visuals to fit everything to make sure it ends and like dips to black and it's like, and it's over. And I used wow. a lot of that in this documentary, but I couldn't do it perfectly like him because I didn't start with the audio. So um, long story short, Ken Burns, American documentary filmmaker. Some of you will go to sleep because it's a lot of historical <laughs> stuff and it's just long winded. But if you're a history buff like me, it's interesting. You can watch it for hours. Yeah, as I've gotten older, I've been like watching a lot more documentaries about war. So this sounds like it might be right up my alley. And it's kind of cool to know where this whole pan and zoom comes from. You know, you mentioned a lot of people on YouTube might have seen his stuff and did that, or they just saw somebody on YouTube that may have saw his stuff and decided to do that. I had no idea where it originated from. Yeah. It's like when we were talking about remixes, who yeah. sampled it first? There's so many, so cool. like the songs we hear now, it's like five different versions later, but the same samples being used. 
Yeah. And, and I thought it would be interesting because I've been through this whole long process of a documentary and you were mentioning before, I don't even know where I would start. I don't even know if I would want to do that. I mean, obviously by yourself, I mean, it was kind of a task. I, I really would have liked to work with someone else. I'm just, I get impatient waiting for someone else to like collab and schedules and whatever, but compare that to us making music. Cause it, there's a similar process there. It's not like you just go in the studio and it's done. Right. It's multiple, multiple sessions. And yeah. you know, what's the, after kind of hearing me explain how I made this, like what are some of those, parallels we can draw from us making music to us making okay music videos is probably a closer thing yeah and we've done some pretty cool ones man so i think how it can kind of compare to me the one word that really stood out was we've just frankenstein this thing together you know there was like simple formulas you would want to follow and I'll, i'll speak on you know writing and recording a song first certain principles you want to follow. Obviously you want to know what the structure is going to be of your song. And if you're, if you're wondering what structure is, just essentially think of any song you hear on the radio, right? The hooks are going to be eight bars. The verses are going to be 16. The bridge is going to be eight. So you're kind of just predicating your record around that. And oftentimes starting off, Like I didn't have, you know, the money or luxury of having, you know, beats custom made for me. So it would be whatever we were finding back in the days of SoundClick, which if you remember SoundClick, you're an OG. Still around. Yeah. And then you'd kind of listen to it. This is the vibe that you're kind of going for with the, with the track. And then this is the structure of it. And essentially you're just recording to a two track and you're trying to make the most of it. And when I say two-track. I mean, your two-track instrumental, your left and your right side, right? And your voice is what's going to be the meat in the middle. So yeah, dude, it was often just like, okay, we got this beat. And oftentimes my buddies like Hazard, we would find this beat at like two, three in the morning (laughs) and be like, yo, this is fire, dude. This, this is going to be the one. And then we'd wake up the next day and listen to it and be like, bro, this is true. Like, why did you say this was good? This is no good. You said it was good too. Yeah. But it's like, you know, <laughs> what is that late? Uh, but yeah, you know, we've been, we found some pretty good ones and I, I like to think we put out some pretty good stuff considering that we all did it ourselves. And then from there, it's just like, okay, what is this going to be about? Which, which for you, Ghana, right? It's like, okay, this song is going to be about, girls or this song is going to be about relationships or money or whatever. And most of the time early on, we're just flexing, like rapping, trying to say how cool we are. Yeah, you know, cause I that's what we thought hip hop was. What up? Right. Yeah. Something, you know, like hit, that. hit me on my T-mail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, T-mail. Uh, who had but, a T-mail um, out there? That's what I want to know. I yeah. mean, we did, but who else did? And then it's like you got to write it similarly to how you need to kind of write out your documentary. And then from writing it out, it's like, okay, well, now I have to perform it and I got to do a really good job. And obviously everything is digital. So you can, you know, cut your audio as many times as you want. Forever and and ever. Yeah, comp 
and Frankenstein all of these clips together to make it sound as great as you possibly can. And then, you know, once, once your recording's done, it's your mixing and mastering. If you know how to do that, we really did not until later, later on. And we would find somebody to do it then. And, and then you're like, okay, it's done. Now I need to give it the car test or I got to show it to a friend. Yeah. True. Yeah. Sit in the car with me. What do you think? And then you mentioned a point where you're like, okay, this was wrong. So I went back to fix that. But then I noticed that this was kind of off here and that probably wasn't in the right part of the sound field that it should have been. Maybe this should be back here and you can like, and this is why we've never gotten detox from Dre. I guarantee you. Look out you, for detox. Yeah. <laughs> Look out for detox. He's still just tweaking and just messing with everything. But you, you got to get to a point where you're like, okay, not only is this good enough, this is the best that I can do. Now it's time to present it to the world. But even then, you have a whole different list of obstacles. It's, well, how do I want to go about that? Do I want to do like a social media countdown campaign? Do I want to do like a TikTok campaign? Do I want to just blast it out everywhere I can all right. at one time? So it's it's not the same, but it's it's very similar. A lot of the thought process that I have audibly about recording music, you have visually creating film. Thinking back to when we did Climb, the music video. So we did the, did the song and the music video, but the music video, there were so many moments of Frankensteining it together where like the train was going by that place I used to live at. And we're like, we need to film some moody stuff. And I was like, Oh, you're like, okay, like run over there, run over there. So the train's going by and I'm like getting ready to set the shot. We used like 70 frames of that to get it, to fit it in the music video. It's like, like, did did you get it? Yeah, what do you want me to do? You go, just be emotional. (laughs) I did say that. You're like, all right. (laughs) So I just tried to interpret that as quickly as I could. Trade's coming down the tracks, and I just tried to look like I had been through it, which, (laughs) to tell you the truth, I mean, I have. So I just started thinking of all these, like, terrible things that have happened, you know? (laughs) When you see the music video, you think, man, that guy's an actor. Look at God damn it, he can act. Yeah. And so that was like one little moment. And then us just thinking about lighting and like how many different ways can we film in a room and point the camera in like eight different directions to make it look like we're in four different places. It's like you had all your pictures out and there was like, I was like, all right, let me light this candle that we got at Bed Bath & Beyond for like five bucks. Perfect touch. And I'm like, all right, now you're just going to like throw them everywhere. And like, they didn't all go everywhere. So I'd like have to zoom in and pick them back up, do it again. Right. No continuity, whatever. So, and we cut that whole video. That was like a different, this was a three month process. And that thing we edited, I think in like a day. Yeah, similar to we did Father's Eyes. That was like shot and edited within like 24-hour kind of time frame. And Yeah. Yeah, man, that's like some of that work I'm just the most proud of, you know, because we just put so much time into it and so much thought and really like challenged ourselves creatively. And nowadays, you know, I'm doing that in a different capacity. I'm challenging myself every day on the air of how can I – more or less present the same stuff over and over again, but do it in a unique way every single time. And that's, 
that's tough, you know, but that's why I get paid the medium bucks. Hey, dude, medium bucks are nice. <laughs> Don't get me wrong with the medium bucks. I mean, I'll take the medium bucks. Yeah. Extra medium? Folks. <laughs> yeah, just there's a lot to it to, I think, putting anything creative together. But having a deadline is very important. And I may, gave myself a self-imposed one. Because otherwise I wouldn't finish it. Yeah. And that I think is the toughest part about being a creative on your own and not working for a company. Or, you know, if you're part of a film project, hey, we're, we wrap in 30 days. So you know, okay, we're done shooting no matter what in 30 days. And the movie comes out July 5th. So you're like, well, I guess it better be edited before then. So you like can Posters work Posters already in the theaters. Yeah. Like, man. It's like, man, I'm writing myself. This is like a death sentence. This is crazy for my, my project. But without it, you never finish anything. So for you, I mean, it's built in on the radio. I have this much time. I have to do it right now, tonight. I'm leaving at this time. I got one to two takes, and that's, you know, it. And when you're live, we're live, pal. There are no right. takes. You're just there. Hey, we're live, pal. Uh, Undertaker's going to find out tonight. <laughs> uh, Psycho Sid, ladies and back to you, Vince. <laughs> You know, one of the things you mentioned was how important the deadline is. And I know we have a deadline for the show. We have to have a produced video podcast every Thursday to go up, you yeah. know? And I was recently watching this YouTube video, this new channel that I came across. I got to share it with you. I is can't it remember the name of it. It's not. All right. All right. But it try I got, I got tons still, of those right. I could send your way, too. I'm still too. interested. I'm still interested. And it was about deadlines. It was actually about Steven Spielberg. Oh, and it was nice. about, I think it was 1993, I believe it was. Or filming was in 92. The movies came out in 93. It was when he finally won, like, the big award. And that was when he did, and I'm trying to remember the name of the film, Jurassic Park. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I, the I second movie he did, what was the name of it? Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Jurassic Park and Schindler's List shot those in the same calendar year. That's nuts. Think about that, dude. And Two it's very just different movies. Completely, you know? And I've actually never seen Schindler's List, but after watching this, like, you know, it had, like, all these interviews with Mr. Spielberg, and he's talking about it, and you know, what went into both of them and how they're so just completely, you know, 180 from each other and the challenges of each of them and then both of them. And, you know, because while he's out shooting Schindler's List, he's reviewing this brand new technology called CGI for the dinosaurs. And he's, no, this isn't right. Sends it back, gets it, then it sends it back. All the while shooting a super just like dramatic and, and, and heart-wrenching film and it's just crazy, you know, but like there's 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 something about creative people that even within that kind of chaos, you kind of thrive in it. Even if one of the quotes Spielberg had was, I was ready not to look at another damn dinosaur the rest of my life, you know, <laughs> and but he went through with it. And, and just think about that. That's like two of the biggest films ever. And the same year, man, it's just, it's so crazy to me what we can do if we really just buckle in, set the deadline. Okay. This is the best this piece can be. 
Here you go, world. Well said. When you think about it, if you don't give yourself a deadline, again, you don't get anything done to be repetitive. It'll never get done, yeah. It, it always gets done in the amount of time you give yourself. You got 15 minutes before your date's coming over. You will clean your place in 15 minutes. You're not kidding, dude. Anytime my girl flies out here, I'll tell you what, dude, that morning I turned into Mr. Clean. I might as well buzz my hair off, bro, because I'm like deep cleaning this sucker, this, this whole like Mrs. apartment. Mrs. Downfire coming out of the kitchen. Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> you want one scoop or two? Oh, it looks like two. <laughs> That's but that's it. If you give whatever yeah. time you give yourself, you'll use it all. That's how you can use procrastination to your advantage. If you know it's going to take you, it's it's like just in time information versus just in case. I'm ah. only going to prep for this show like at the last moment I have to. Yeah. Cuz I have other stuff to do and if I prep on Monday for a Sunday recording, I'm going to forget everything. Yeah. I might take some notes, but I need a refresh like the night before or honestly like a couple hours before we link up. And so, yeah, you know, when I'm editing a video for a client, that's another good example. Let's try to go through some examples here. Uh, my client sent me some stuff Sunday and said, hey, can you turn this around? And I'm usually good with 24 hours. And so I know, all right, I got to grab images from the web. I got to cut up his voiceover slash video. And then I got to add a couple quick graphics. So I just... I've done it like a hundred times. So I say, okay, where do I have two hours? And I just give myself the two hours and that's it. Yeah. I don't need to give myself extra time, but I love that. I also dude. can't give myself like 10 minutes. I gotta be realistic <laughs> about it. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, man. I think it's a super important thing. Like you said, um, I kind of lost my, sorry, if we can cut right here, I totally lost it. No, screw it. You know what? I made the mistake yeah, just run of, with it. Tr of trying to figure out where we were going to go with this next. Because lo and behold, I'm trying to come up with, for me and Dave to talk about all week. Because deep down, I'm worried. Are people going to be interested? Are right. they going to give a sh are they going to, you know, are they going to want to share this? Is it good enough for them to want to share? Dude. Is our conversation interesting enough? And I drive myself crazy about this sh all the time. And it's just, we get in here. We hit record, and for 40 minutes, we've had one of the best conversations that we've had in a long time. And, and yep. immediately, a part of me says, this is going too well. I need to, I need to think ahead. It's the self-sabotage. What, what if it goes off the rails? And then what happens when you're, when you're doing that? Is it goes off the rails? And that's a lesson learned here. It's like, that scene, from, it's like that scene from Private Parts, that Stern film. Yeah. He's on the air. And he's talking about, come down to the new sports store. And my dad used to bring me there when I was a kid. And we'd have a ball. And we'd get so many things for such little money. And the grand opening is Saturday. <laughs> and immediately he has to go on the air and just be real and be like, hey, you just caught me in a lie. I've never been there before. This place that hasn't existed until this Saturday. <laughs> and then you know what was so interesting he goes home to talk to his wife after, and he says, hey, did you catch the show? And she goes, yeah. Well, what do you think? And he, she says to him, you know that part where you got caught in the lie and you just kind of admitted to it and you were yourself? You should do more of that. 
And I think that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to relate here is I put so much pressure on myself for this to be good. I put so much pressure on myself for my radio show to be good, for my blogging to be good, my social media to be good. And just like me and Dave have such big aspirations and such big hopes and dreams. And, you know, a lot of those coincide together. And I'm just like, I don't want to let, I don't want to let Dave down. I don't want to let me down. All that stuff just comes up, man. So that, that's my bad. I'm thinking, wow, we're crushing it. But what's next? And suddenly I just start worrying. I don't know. Isn't, but isn't that such an interesting perspective on life too and projects? I, I, I was feeling that same pressure putting this documentary out. The longer I put off a deadline, the longer I could just sit there and be like, well, it'll get better. It'll be perfect. I can just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and I'll never put it out. Then I have a deadline. I think, well, you better put this, you, dude, you're screwed. You got to put this thing out. And yeah. so I got to the point where I was happy with it. Of course, I could do a lot more. Like I was telling you before, I could totally change it up and do a narrated version, but this is what it is in this version. I want, I'm happy with people seeing it like this. And yeah. I can take the things I learned into my next project and say, I'm going to start this next project this way because I didn't like that from the last one. It doesn't take away from how good this project is and just roll with it. Like that's, yeah. But that's where the best stuff comes from. That's where I think people, I'm confident that whatever we do, I, if I like it, like I've said before, if I'm proud to edit this thing together and put it out, I know other people will like it, even a couple people today. I'm doing yeah. the premiere. There's like three people in the chat, which is cool for me. I'd never have people in the chat on a premiere. So I'm like, all right, I'm in. And somebody's like, yo, Dave, are you in here? I was like, yup. Just to have anybody in there is kind of cool. Yeah. And, and we're chatting the whole film. People are like, oh, that shot's so cool. And hey, how'd you do this? And what camera package did you have? That moment for me made it all worth it that I got to just share a few like cool anecdotes with people that genuinely wanted to watch i did not have to coerce or pay or force yeah. them to watch not having to force somebody to pay attention to your shit that is the coolest feeling somebody's just like yeah. i liked that and you think everything negative i've told myself doesn't mean anything because this person that doesn't know anything about me enjoyed my thing objectively yeah something that you put so much time into or or even to that point it's like They'll just hang out with you on the air. Even if you're not promising them, you know, tickets to this big concert at this big stadium, you know, it's, it's more, it's more or less a big game. And I think the older mm. that I get, the more I'm just like, I don't want to play the game anymore. I don't want to be a part of the rat race anymore. I don't want to try to keep up anymore. You know, I just want to make what I love to make and be passionate about it and try to share it with the world. And if that impacts three people in the chat, you know, or 500 people watch it or it goes viral, yeah, whatever, man, because you know, you it's just make it. If you can't get excited for three people in your chat, you don't deserve to have 500. Nope. You got to treat. It's like you, you treat your every show. Like you're talking to one person. Yeah. Like this one person out there today could really need to hear this at this time. And it's not up to you to know who that is. Again, it's to, to even make an even bigger reach. The coolest part about Last Dance was Michael Jordan 
realizing that even when he was hurt, he would do whatever he could to try to play because he knows that people are spending three-plus hours with them on a Sunday and they're good, hard-earned money. I'm going to put on a show for them. This might be the yeah. only time they ever get to see me play. That's like the biggest humble brag, but it's true. When you know you're that good, that's self-awareness to say, people are, this is selling out because of me. That's a, that must be a crazy feeling. Yeah. That's, dude, that, that was one of the parts that really popped out to me too. Because, you know, it's like father and son up there, you know, nose bleeds, can barely see anything. But this was like, this was their thing. And the only time that, like, it's, mm-hmm. that's just so cool, man. And I get. Like WrestleMania, from, bro. <clears throat> yeah. I was just thinking absolutely. about that. How you went to WrestleMania 14 because I. Cause you, we were on Instagram and you were like, yeah. uh, yo, Mike, the Miz liked your photo. First of all, I that know, was so what sick. The hell? I'm like, awesome. Yeah. It was like notification. Dave liked your comment. So-and-so followed you. Mike, the Miz liked your picture. So-and-so wait a minute. Mike I was the like, Miz? what? It was kind of cool, but I was getting to the point of like, you know, working in radio, like we kind of just sell air. You know, and, and, and the, the, the big thing is, you know, just like any streaming platform, like a Netflix or a YouTube even, which, you know, where you can watch this. You want to keep people listening or watching as long as you can. So there's just like, there's this whole arithmetic to it. There's this whole science to it. And you never know if you're doing a good job until weeks later when the ratings come in. You know, doing this, obviously we've said in, in, in multiple shows we're not really expecting to see anything out of this, you know, for at least a year. Sorry, but in my job, I have to, you know, those, those ratings come in and those can kind of dictate it. Well, is he important here or not? You know, it so, does. Well, you were just telling me too, that your station, uh, you were, you were just doing some station awards, right? Yeah. So we just did this big teams meeting and without, you know, revealing anything, uh, Denver, our market landed this, you know, big award within the company, which was really cool. Cause That's I was part sweet, of that dude. for the whole Props. year, you know? Yeah. yeah so no, you were a big part of that. I, I, I like to think so, you know, cause I, I work really, really hard in there and I can make myself kind of crazy sometimes. Cause you know how great I want to be. Um, you perfect all, I mean, I, I've only seen you and Steelzy in a radio booth, but you've tried to perfect every like second of your show. I've never seen somebody do that to say that wasn't good. I'm like, but you could use it. You're like, yeah, I could use it, but I can do it a little bit better. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard, dude. I put a ton of pressure on myself to be great, you know? And years ago when I was doing therapy, one of the things that I was kind of taught from the therapist was live 85. Cause I was obsessing over everything. Excuse me. I like that. Everything being perfect. Every, every consonant, every vowel, every word, every, everything had to be great. And I would go home, even if I had a 99.9% work day, I would beat myself up over it. You're so stupid. You're no good. Your voice sucks. You're like, I would tell myself these things, you know? And through therapy, which has helped a lot, um, it was live 85. She goes, imagine if you're playing in the NBA and you're shooting 85% 
Are you kidding me? It's out of control. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not reasonable. You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. She goes, sometimes you just got to get on base. You know, you don't get you don't got to hit it out of the park every day. Rob Steele would tell me after after I had a bad shift, they're not all home runs, kid. You know, true. So I've tried to really carry that with with myself, but. I don't know, man. I get I get into my own head so much where I want everything to be so great all the time. But then I can get into this real long stretch where I'm actually following that advice and things are actually improving and doing better. But once I then start to put that kind of pressure back on myself, and if you know, if anybody hearing this is a creator as well, you might struggle with some of these things too. You know, and it's about Obviously, being consistent is the main thing, but just do your best to try to make it fun and try to like, try to not put so much damn pressure on yourself, which obviously I, I got to take my own advice there. But yeah, dude, I love, I love making stuff. I love creating stuff. But then there's a flip side to it. Where you, where I'll constantly be like, well, am I good enough? Are people gonna, you know, in, enjoy this? Are they only listening because of this, or is it because of me? And I don't know, man. You can kind of get a little insecure about it. You know, it's like, well, I had this really cool guest, and one of our, you know, clips just popped like five hundred views. Obviously, that had very little to do with me. So you got to kind of take that for what it is and I hope I'm not going off the rails here but I think I think bottom line what I'm trying to say is you know don't some don't put so much pressure on yourself and I think that's that's going to be something I'm going to watch this back all week and I'm going to keep telling myself that so I do it you know we're dude we're on a floating rock through the universe so I always just say it's not that deep yeah. Some somebody got mad at me one time. They're like, "But it is." I go, "Is it really? Is any of this that deep?" Like, well, that's the be thing. Be nice you, to people. That yeah, that is pretty much be kind and like try your best. I know that yeah. sounds super vanilla, but when it comes down to it, that's all you can do. All I can do is if I keep my schedule packed, I don't have time to think about was that the best or not. I'm like on to the next thing. I got another thing to do. I know that was good enough, and I know that if we just keep putting in the reps, eventually one day it'll be like, yo, our show is syndicated nationally. How did we get here? I missed all that. <laughs> and that's what will happen. And and um, the other thing I was going to say about, like, you, but you were an instrumental part in that interview because had you not wanted to reach out, reached out, prepared, said, yo, Dave, can you add a little sizzle, sizzle here and there, like, if it's not set up the right way, of course, you know, you're in the business of getting talent involved. Like, that's the point. People yeah. listen to the radio for the music, right? They want to yeah. hear music and, oh, hey, in between, actually, this guy is cool. So I will listen to your station that has the music. I have other stations, but I picked yours because I like hanging out with you. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. I see that. And I kind of want to expand on what you just said about... If you keep your schedule so busy that you don't have time to think. And I want to tell you why I think that's a good thing. And I want to tell you why I think that's a bad thing. Okay. Yep. 
obviously being busy is good. It means you're making stuff. It means you're moving forward, right? Where it becomes a toxic trait for me is I'll keep myself so busy, even if I'm not busy per se, right. I'm doing things to occupy my mind so I don't think. And I think you can only go so far with that because eventually you're going to come to a moment where all you can do is sit there before bed. You can't sleep. All you're going to do is think. And what do we always think about? At least for me, not, not how I've grown up with a stutter my whole life and became a professional broadcaster, not how I've made music that I'm really proud of or, you know, done music videos and different projects and podcasts with Dave that I'm super proud of. You think of all the bad stuff. At least I do. And I hate that. And I don't, I don't understand why it always, it no. always happens, but I get, I'll get that, you know, that little sliver before bed. And then it's just like, it's like this, this dark cloud is chasing me. And no matter how fast I run or how hard I try to ignore it. And I feel like people are going to think I'm a fucking crazy person, but no matter how much I occupy my mind or no matter how fast I'm trying to run forward, it's just, it's right there. You can't, I, I can't get away from it. I like, you the, know? I like the analogy and you're not alone in that thought, but my brother gave me a really nice compliment, which I feel like kind of ties in. And he's like, Dave, you have perfected the ability to not give a fuck about anything or anyone. And I was like, well, thanks man. Yeah, I've been working pretty hard on that. I'll take it. To the point where he was like, yeah, but shave. I'm like, all right, fair. Yeah, but fair, shave your fair. damn face. I'm like, okay, good good looking out. I appreciate that. That's Got a funny. haircut, shaved. I was like, I will take your advice. I appreciate you, but I still don't, I still don't care um, just about what other people are thinking. And going to the cloud thing, to extend that, I just let the cloud catch up. Sometimes I just live in it and I'm like, I'm just going to be aware and just say, okay, if that's how I'm feeling, I'm just going to feel that. I'm going to let it happen. It's not going to feel good. But if I stop running, then I think that I'll get through it or it will get past me and go uh. on to something else. So just to kind of take the analogy one step further, um, uh, that's just helped me. Like there's been so many situations in my head that I'm like, I know I didn't do that right. And I know there's nothing I can do about it because it's over. Yeah. And yet I come back to it. I think I come back to it because I want to revisit and say, did I learn everything I could from that? Is there something that I'm still missing that I'm going to repeat again? I don't want to repeat something. I want to have learned the lesson. And I'll say, I've learned it enough. Okay, I get it. I, whatever is happening to me now, I deserved it. Fine. Are we done with this? Can we move on to the next phase? I would like to yeah. go to the next phase now. Yeah, I hear you, man. And that's what I want to do right now with the show, because I don't want everyone to think that I'm some, like, just bummed out all the time, Eeyore, you know, this, this, or this. But when I had that, that little blip a little bit earlier <clears throat> in the show, yeah. like, all this stuff just suddenly just overcame, and I'm like, we're rolling right now. I'm, I'm not just going to stop. We're live, pal. I'm, we're live, pal. I'm just going to, 
keep it real. And, you know, and you see everything on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram, and it's all bullshit. You know, it's all just a very small part. Your ability of- to edit live is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> it's all bullshit. And, you know, you see that little sliver of my life or somebody else, you know, and it's like, it's wow. Yeah, everything is so great, you know, and it's, you know, and, and as fortunate as, as I am to be in the position that I am, and that's not lost on me. Like, I fully comprehend that, you know. I'm, I'm very fortunate, you know. But it's like, yeah, sometimes I'm just, I go to work and I'm in a room with a microphone by myself. And then I come home to an apartment by myself. So I think not having just that constant everyday interaction with just people. They don't even necessarily have to be best friends or family, just people. It can make you kind of crazy, you know? And No, it can. Yeah. When you talk to yourself, would you like, I've been talking to myself. I wonder if I just go talk to someone else. Does this sound as crazy as I think it sounds? Yeah. And then when it doesn't, you're like, okay, that that was fine. That was a good interaction. All right, we're, we're good. The inner monologue, the inner chatter, uh, that's a tough one to deal with. And I think, uh, I don't know the stat. I don't want to just throw some random stat, but... There are, there's a percentage of the world's population that does not have an inner monologue, like a little voice talking to them. Really? And some people have like a few, like, you know, like whatever, like left and right shoulder, like do this, don't do this. Some people don't, it's like Austin Powers. I have no inner monologue. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my mojo. I'm having controlling the volume of my voice. <laughs> It's just a legendary movie. I yeah. yo, I think I told you, but I met um, Mindy Sterling, who plays Frau Farbissina. Yeah, that's right. So cool. She was so nice. Um, yep. I was like, I was like, oh my god, I love Austin Powers. You're so great. And she took a picture with me, and it was it was so cool. That's dope. Um, but yeah, inner monologue. I wanted to take a little side street here. Kind of relates, but I was talking to this other influencer. And she does a lot of uh, food blogging and a lot of really interesting stuff in Boston. I've been following her for a while. And she's from Maine, too. So shout out to the Maine influencers in the building. And um, we were kind of like she posted something about Instagram doesn't care about, you know, the art anymore, artists, whatever. Like there's our conversation kind of went toward, you know, people haven't paid their dues. You have influencers who pop off. 10,000, 100,000 views, and then clients rush to them, how'd you do it? And they have no idea, but they take all the money. It's like, you haven't paid your dues. And then people like you, me, her, we have strategy. We have years in this business of doing this, like music, radio, film, video editing, photography, you name it, events, DJing, um, and people don't want to people don't want to take the boring advice which is no. the correct advice it takes time if you want to have repeatable success you got to show up every day and do the stuff that you don't want to do and and so it, it was nice though to have like a conversation with another influencer that we don't like don't really know each other well but what she posted on her story resonated so much that it made me want to reach out and say yes 
I know how you feel and I've been in the game a little longer and I still also feel that way. Dude, that's really cool. Especially to find like a fellow Mainer and then for it to be like, damn, like this hits me. I totally understand what they're saying. That's, that's super cool. And it's true, man. You know, I made a decision very early on and I'll you know speak for myself, not for you, but I think you kind of did the same thing is I'm not going to put all my eggs into one basket. I'm going to get into one field, right? Right. But I want to put my hands on every different aspect in that field as I possibly can. So it's like entertainment. I started writing and recording music. Okay, but I also want to learn how to be a DJ. Okay, I also want to learn how to be a radio host. Okay, I also want to learn how to be a podcaster. Okay, but I could do better if I could learn how to do film. I could be, so it's like you're yep. getting your hands on all of this stuff, and that's that's like a piece of advice that I always give to new people. They're like, well, I want to do just this, only this, and I'm not telling anybody who's anybody to have a backup plan. God forbid, like, I don't have, I don't, you know, music. I'd say it was my first passion, and some people would say, well, you quit. No, I didn't quit. I found other things that I was interested in, yeah. and it's like, damn, this is making me money. This is fulfilling. Let me go in that way. And then that switched over to the, and I'm sure in the next five, 10 years, it's going to be something else. Well, bro, you know, people, people would rightly say I quit basketball because I wasn't going to the league anytime soon. And I said, can I still do this for fun? Yes. Let me go do something that will make me money. Yeah. That's just how it goes. But yeah, I thought that I wanted to throw that in there. Um, because as much as you and me want to post content to get interaction, sometimes it's good to interact and be like, Hey, I see you. I'm going to give you your flowers. Like you're doing it. I've been a fan of yours for a while. There are fans. And sometimes we have to be vocal, um, with those creators because they need to hear that from us as much as we need to hear it from them. And you know what the weird thing about it is sometimes people won't go out of their way to do that because they're intimidated by that person. Believe it or not, I've had people say that they didn't approach me because they were intimidated by me. But all the while, stupid me, I'm thinking the same thing. I didn't approach you because I I didn't know uh, what to say, how to go about it. Like, man, I don't know what it is. God, society, there's just so much just to it. And it makes us not be human beings. It makes us not be people. Golly, bro. I am not an Instagram account. I am not just a this or just a that. I'm a freaking person. And I have a pulse and I have feelings. And I have a heart. And I don't care if it's like, if people are like, oh, you know, you're not being a man and you're not being this. It's like, no, f- that. I don't care, dude. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a person. When, when I'm happy, I'm happy. When I'm sad, I'm sad. When I'm, having, when I'm having problems with my girl, I'm angry. I'm all over the map. So just fucking accept it. Accept me like Dave does. If you're not living your life, if you're not doing what you love, <laughs> I can't even Why say are it. you living your life? Uh, I got to pull. I will. Uh. I will. I don't know when. I will pull that clip so you guys can see my early documentary work. It's cringe, but I have to show it because I'm all about showing I everything. Love it. I and love honestly, it. it's funny, but it's inspiring. It really is, dude. I have it still. And sometimes I'll pop it on. And I'm like, yo, 
Dave said that with his chest, bro. He meant it. And you could tell because I know you, you know? I meant it, dude. I I meant it. And I really needed to graduate. I needed that. (laughs) I needed that grade, bro. Yeah. (laughs) I left it on the field. You know what made me think is you were bringing up different... Now, you uh, brought up this fellow main influencer, and that, and that got me thinking, like, how many different influencers or celebrities or musicians, whatever it may be, have come from Maine? And you talked about giving other people their flowers. Maybe in this next week's episode, and I'd love for those hearing this to drop us some DMs and comments of, you know, people that you look up to from Maine that are kind of in this similar field. And I want to give them their flowers. I want to shout them out. I want to talk about them. I want to discuss why they're important or, you know, what they may have particularly meant to you or I. I think, man, like, Mainers looking out for Mainers. That's, that's what we got to do. We all we got, man. The Sea Dogs is all we got, man. Sea Dogs is all we got, bro. <laughs> Damn. We're not going to tell that origin story. It's not for this show. Maybe we will over on the other side. Yeah, maybe on the on the paywall. But yeah. I love that. Let's do that. Let's, okay, next episode, uh, that's our homework. We're going to reach out to some influencers we know, some we don't. See if we can get some voice messages um, and see if, uh, see if we can get some DMs, man. Just I like that. I We're think at, it could be cool, man. Yeah. You know, like... You know, some some people back home look at you or even look at me, which blows my mind. And they're like, wow, like, look what you and Dave are doing. You're both doing such great stuff. And I don't know, man. I'm just like, I'm so close to it that I don't see it. And I never stop to smell the roses. So I never am like, wow, I can't believe I actually accomplished this or I actually did that. Because it's a gift and a curse where enough will never be enough. But at least I'm aware of that now, so I can try to work on that, you know. But yeah, right. yeah let's uh, you know, let's let's talk about some Mainas next week, Bob. Dude, Mainas, Bob, is wicked awesome, dude. I'm wicked excited. You know, I'll I'll grab some uh, donkeys on the some way dunks, home, dude? and you know, just you know, <laughs> chop it up, Bob. <laughs> I also want to do the episode um, that you've brought up a few times about New England commercials. All yes. I can all I can think uh, about is that um, "Funny or Die" with the uh, Teddy Williams. Yep. <laughs> Teddy, Teddy Williams pull one out. Te- I think I put that into my Bedrock remix. What did I say? Yeah. Uh, something about with this flow, I steady kill him, and now a moment of silence. Teddy. Teddy Williams. <laughs> Every time you would do a sports reference and a rap, I'd be like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's my guy. Yes. David yeah. Ortiz, big poppy, quick to walk off. Ooh. Yeah. I did one before. Uh, I can't remember the setup, but it was like, put on a color condom. She called me the green monster. <laughs> I thought it was so great. And on that note, folks. Uh, well, you know, we we had a lot of momentum, uh, man. We ran out. Man, <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. Yo, that's a excellent that was an excellent episode. See, this is what I love introducing the chaos of I don't know what's gonna happen. Let's just start know. talking. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, dude, that's one of the best things that gets me going is you're like, all right, we're rolling. And then immediately just whatever comes out. And we'll just go from there. And now you know. You know, you know oh, Dave's going to start. When he starts rolling, he's going to start the show. It's not going to be welcome. Like, you're, you're here. Yeah, we're just going. You know, I don't, I don't like the whole thing with a lot of shows where it's like, oh, well, let's just blah, 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 and then yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and then, this show is oh. brought to you by no one because we are not monetized. <laughs> but if and you'd like 40, to monetize. Yeah. <laughs> and then like 40 minutes later, it's like you're they're finally getting to what you're, I don't know. But, oh, wait, wake up. Show's over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kick it. <laughs> yeah so there was really no, uh, you know, show notes this week. It was kind of let's show up, let's show out, and yeah, I think you got a really solid 40 minutes before I trip myself up. But then I think even from there, you got some good insight. You got, you got a remix. You know, That's yeah, you, you got, got, you got to look behind the curtain a little bit where it's like, Oh, I think one of the most important things being an influencer or a creator of any kind is just being relatable. You know, like I've always thought, even as a DJ, I've always thought of myself as that person that would be out there in the crowd partying with them. Not this like, oh my God, look at the DJ up there with all the lights. It's like, no, like he's just and you would. a regular dude <laughs> you like me. You get down, walk around, or yeah, crowd surf take the mic, successfully get out there. and unsuccessfully, but try again. Yeah. You're not kidding, dude. But I've seen it in action. I just... I love this wacky world of entertainment that we live in, but I also hate it at the same time. And uh, I think, I think that's that's how you know it's something that I'm supposed to do. <laughs> it is, bro. We're supposed to be here. We're gonna be here every week, whether you like it or not. <laughs> every week, man. So uh, again, send us anybody in Maine that you look up to. It could be a radio host, a podcaster, a musician. I'm gonna an shoot actor. my shot. I'm gonna go Patrick Dempsey, Anna Kendrick. I'm gonna just see and be like, I'm gonna throw this in the universe. Hey, we're from Maine. <laughs> we're from the same city. So yep. you know, if you know I, what? Hey, and if we get a DM, if we get a DM. On my side, only because I've seen him perform in three different states, I'm going to reach out to Spose. I love that. Yeah, and I've, I've cut songs with him when I was like 15. I've seen him perform in Portland. I've seen him perform in Nashville. I've seen him perform in Denver. So that's a person that just has a great story. I got to talk to him a little bit about it on the air back at the queue in Portland, but so much time has gone on since then. So, yeah, send us DMs. Email us, and even comment below. if it's not this next episode, we're gonna get some of these big people yeah. on in some happen. capacity. Yeah, it'll happen because Maine is look out for Maine is for Dave. I'm Jr. This has been hanging with Homie. Remember, it's cool to be you. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>